0: him up this morning. Sing us with me. Your love's so great, Jesus, in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart. To our Savior, we are alive in Your praise. Earth and sky, the no one is higher. Our God of wonders, You reign. Our God of wonders. You raise. Start But to your name We lift up All praise Not to us But to your name We lift up All praise that mother Not to us But to your name We lift up All praise Not to us But to your name, we lift up all praise. You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean, oh, nothing else compares. stars in glory your love is like the wildest ocean oh nothing else compares not to us not to us but to your name we lift up all praise not to us but to your name the stars in glory your love is like the wildest ocean oh nothing else compares I've done that your grace won't come. It's not over till you say so. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. The cross is all the confidence I need. I need Your love won't give up on me You never make a promise you take this morning's sacrifice of worship. Sing this with me. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply
1: Right, good morning. Thank you Shane and Rachel for all that you do and we're definitely glad that you're back. Uh, I am especially uh, and I know that you guys are too. Uh, missed Joe Joe, while you were gone uh, but I know that uh, y'all had a well-needed hopefully restful vacation. I don't know how Rachel rested with Shane driving. I've been in the car when he drives but uh, hopefully it was a good time so Uh, So now that's two you owe me from last week and this week. So I hope you're keeping track. Can't wait to see what happens next. All right. If you have your Bibles, as Shane said, 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to really be continuing on uh, from what Peter started to share with us last week. As we continue in this study through 1 Peter, uh, we have been reminded that as followers of Christ as Christians in this world, we are strangers, we are aliens, meaning that as we live our lives for Christ, we will look different than the rest of the world. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but it seems like over the last couple of years, there's really been a whole lot more talk about spotting of UFOs. Uh, And we're seeing it now in the military as they're even releasing some small footage of different UFOs that they're seeing out there, and you're hearing what the pilots are saying about those UFOs. Every time I hear stories about UFOs, it makes me wonder who is flying that UFO. Makes me wonder what kind of alien would be behind the steering wheel or whatever they have in UFOs uh, to help that thing fly. And I remember as a kid growing up, some of you may uh, remember this, any time that there was a cartoon or something with aliens, they always pictured the aliens as little short green guys with antennas, right? Anybody else with me on that? And so I have a hard time today thinking of an alien as anything other than some short green guy with antennas coming out of his head. And so when we look at First Peter and how we're, seeing that we are to be strangers, that we are aliens in this world, I have to admit I was going through it this week saying, are we supposed to look like little green guys with antennas? Now, when we get saved, God doesn't change our outward appearance. Have you realized that? We still continue to look the same. We don't look like aliens. But can you imagine what would happen in our world if one of those aliens that we saw in the cartoons actually started walking down the street? I think they would draw a lot of attention, wouldn't they? People would be looking at them going, they're different. They would be looking at them and they would be curious. They'd probably come in close. They'd be asking, hey, where are you from? Uh, What kind of planet are you from? What kind of kingdom are you from? What do they do there? What is different in your world than in our world? Well, Peter has given us a picture that in our world today, we should stand out. We should look different and it should cause other people to be curious about our life. Curious in such a way that they look at us and say, wait a second, you're not from around here. You are different than we are. What kingdom are you from? What is that world like? And maybe even how can I be a part of that same kingdom? So that's, that's the picture uh, that we get. Now I must warn you today that the more that you look like Christ in your life, The more those around you will notice, and the more that those around that are in the world notice the difference in you, the more they may not like you. All right, let's just get it out there. The more we look like Christ, the more we become aliens in this world, the more the world itself will not like us. Jesus talks about this in the 15th chapter of John, where he says, beginning in verse 18 of that passage he says if the world hates you understand that it hated me before it hated you if you were of the world the world would love you as its own however because you are not of this world but I have chosen you out of it the world hates you remember the word I spoke to you a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute you If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. He's giving a picture here. He's saying, the more you look like me, The more you are a disciple of Christ, the more you live that out in your life in the world, the more the world is going to hate you. Why is the world going to hate you? Because he goes on to say, because the world does not recognize the Father. The world does not recognize God. They do not see God the way that we see God, and that is offensive to them. So we shouldn't be surprised if we face persecutions in this world. Well, the title of this series is Living as Outsiders in a Strange Land. And in the book, Peter has reminded us that Jesus Christ is our living hope. We have seen that Jesus Christ is a cornerstone to those who place their faith and trust in him. But those who reject him, he is the stumbling block. And last week, we looked at how to live honorably, under authority, how we are to submit to authority in our life. And this week, we're going to look at honorable living in the family. Now, before we read our passage this morning, I want to remind you uh, that last week, we saw how we are to live under the authorities that we have in our lives as long as it is possible. And I gave the illustration of umbrellas. And so I want to start there again today, and I want you to picture with me, if you would, the big umbrella that we have over on this side, huge umbrella, like a big patio umbrella or something like that, kind of get that image in your mind, and that umbrella represents God. And as I mentioned last week, each one of those, there's many umbrellas underneath that umbrella of God, and each one of those represents different authorities in our life. But there's something else I want to mention to you today about those umbrellas. When we are living underneath those different authorities in our life, they should never, ever block the umbrella of God in our life. They should never keep us from seeing who God is. They should never distract us from who God is. And they should never move us away from the, underneath the authority of God in our life. If they do, then that becomes an authority that we need to draw a line with and say, no, I must serve God first. To put it real simple, you have God as the big umbrella, and God said you will have no other gods in your life except who? Him, right? So if God is our authority, if God is that big umbrella, even though he likes structure, by the way, God likes structure, right? Right? And he puts structure in place, and those authorities are part of his structure, even though he's a Christian lives. But one thing that I don't like about First Peter is how every time I study it, it hits me right between the eyes. And it reminds me of how much I mess up in my life. It reminds me of how many times that I fall short in my life. And I just got to be honest, as we dig into this, this is one of those areas. This is one of those ways, as I study through it, that I'm like, man... I need to get this. I need to understand this more. So just so you know, right up front, this message is for me today. If you get something out of it too, that is awesome. If not, just go along with me for the ride, okay? So let's begin. We're going to read through uh, chapter 3, down through verse 7, beginning in verse 1. He says, in the same way, remember he's been talking about submitting to authority. So in the same way, wives... Submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation." Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, as we take a look at this passage today, we obviously see that he is speaking to husbands and wives. Now I know that there are probably some people here that aren't married. You don't have a husband. You don't have a wife. And that's okay because there's a lot of truth that we still pull out of this passage. And maybe you're looking for that spouse. You're looking for that husband or wife. Well this tells you what you ought to be looking for before you get married. And that'll make things a whole lot easier after you get married. But there's truth all throughout God's word whether we're married or not. And this is one of those areas. And hopefully we'll see some of that today. Now there are several things I want to point out. And as I begin to point these out, you need to understand there's two words that we're going to really zone in on today. We're really going to take these words and break them down today. The first word is submission. And the second word is honor. Two words, submission and honor. And we're going to take a look at those. So the first thing I want you to see is this, talking about the wives. When a wife lives a submissive life under her husband's authority, Christ shines through her. When a woman lives a submissive life under the authority of her husband, Christ shines through her. And we saw this some last week. Whenever we're to be obedient as much as we can, as much as possible to any authority that's in our life, whenever we're living a life of obedience under that authority that God has placed there, then Christ is able to be seen through us. Now, I know that in our world today, it is not politically correct to even speak the word submission, especially when it comes to a husband and wife relationship. And I believe that there are several reasons behind that. The first one is because for years in our society, we have placed the man's role as a much higher level than the woman's role in a marriage relationship. And can I say that even over years, churches have been at fault in doing that. So there's a reason why people take that word and they go, wait a second. Uh, Why are you throwing that word out today? That word is long gone. We don't have to live that way anymore. And that's part of the reason why, because we have messed it up. And the reason that even in the church many times we mess it up is because we don't look at it at what that word really means. And that is the second thing, we don't understand what the word submission means, so we try to avoid that word, or we try to change it to even make it something that it's not. So let's first address the husband and the wife in the way that the scripture addresses it, and let's look at how that role between a husband and wife came about to be in the first place. In order to understand that, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, God had created all these things, and he had created man. And out of all the things he created, he said, that is good. But in one area, he said, there needs to be something else. And it was when he looked at man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God came to that conclusion that it's not good for man to be alone. Amen? I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but... Man, I I can't be alone for very long. I really mess things up when I'm alone. So God looked and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Scripture tells us that he caused Adam to go to sleep, knocked him out, took one of his ribs, and out of that rib he created woman. And you know how the word woman came about, right? I mean, I'm sure you've heard this a million times. When Adam finally wakes up after his surgery that day, He looked and he saw that beautiful creation that God had made. And all he could say was, whoa, man. And that's how we came up with the name woman. So God made a helpmate for Adam. Now, that last part was Dave's version, by the way. You won't find that in scripture. But but I believe that it's true. Now, remember this that Eve was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not out of his head to rule over him, and not out of his foot so that he would trample on her, but out of his side to be equal with Adam so that they could walk side by side, arm in arm, side by side, doing life together. She was a helpmate. Now you know what a helpmate is? A helpmate is somebody that comes alongside and works side by side with the other person. It's not that one is greater than the other. One has much more responsibility than the other. We all do life together and especially the husband and wife. And when those things get out of whack and when we start thinking that we're better than the other or the other's better than us, then we don't live the kind of relationship that God has created us to live. So here is what it means to submit. To submit means to honor your husband, to support your husband, to encourage your husband. It means to walk by your husband's side and it means to see your husband as the unique individual God has created him to be. And you follow his lead as far as you morally can. But what submission does not mean It does not mean that you live as a slave to a master. And that's what a lot of people think when they hear the word submission. That means that you must submit to the one that is over you as a slave submits to a master. Now, I don't know about you, but a slave and a master relationship is not a helpmate kind of relationship. That is where one has complete rule over the other has complete instructions for what the other can do and not do. And that is not what the word submission means here. It does not mean that you just obey his every command and live a life of bondage. As a matter of fact, in Christ, we are to live a life of freedom. And when we understand God's plan for marriage, God's plan for the family relationship, when we understand that, then we are able to live in the freedom that comes from following Christ. It has nothing to do with being under bondage. That is not what the word submissive in Scripture means when we look at it here. Now keep in mind who Peter would have been talking to in that day. In the day in which Peter lived, the women uh, didn't have a voice. They were to be silent and do whatever their husbands told them to do. And that included worshiping whatever God the husband chose to worship. And now we have women that are coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that could bring up a problem within the family. And so Peter is saying, hey, while you're living in the family, while you're living under your husband's rule of the family, and he is choosing to worship another God, here's what you need to do. You be submissive to the husband. And by doing so, he will end up seeing Christ through you. Whether he's believing God's word or not. And let me say this. That rule has never changed. And again, I don't care if it's the husband, if it's the wife, if it's us under authority in our country of uh, of different authorities, a boss, a worker relationship, whatever it is. Whenever we're living under submission, the way scripture calls us to live under submission, that Christ will be seen through us. Now, I, I know that may seem strange, And wonder how in the world that could happen because God's plan is not our plan. God's ways are not our ways. I don't understand all that. But what I do know is that when we live our life the way God calls us to live our life, that somehow Christ shines through us even to those who may not believe. Even to those who may not understand. The second thing I want you to see this morning for women is to let the content of your character outshine your outward appearance notice again what he says in verses three and four he says don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry but rather what is inside the heart the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight now don't misunderstand what he's saying in this passage he does not say, you don't do those things, you don't wear those things. What he is saying, look at the point of what he's making. He's making the point that your inward beauty should always outshine your outward beauty. Your inward beauty should always outshine your outward beauty. Now here's the way it works in our world. When we begin to look for a mate, what do we look at? Obviously the outside, right? Right? We look for somebody that we're attracted to by their outward appearance. And many people, that's all they're concerned about, is the outward appearance. But let me make a statement. If you're not married and you're looking for that spouse, look more at the inward than the outward. And here's why. The outward will change. Right? The outward will change. And the inward will change as well. But when the inward part is already focused on God and living for God, it's going to be changing in a positive way. I heard someone make this statement, a friend of ours, many years ago, talking about her mother. And she said this about her mother, and I love that statement. She said, the older my mother gets, the more beautiful she gets. And she wasn't talking about outward appearance. She was talking about what God was doing in the heart. And that's what he's saying here. That's the point he's making. Let the inward outshine the outward. And watch what difference that makes in our world. So here we, we see the word submit. All right, husbands, fasten your seatbelts because here we go. Hang on tight. It's our turn. And I get to speak to myself. So, again, I hope something out of this. Husbands, we are to honor our wives. We are to honor our wives. This point is this. Husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. He goes on to say, he said, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. I'm glad he did not say, husbands, understand your wife. That would be a problem. And I don't say this in a bad way, but every time I think I've got my wife figured out, she proves me wrong. Right? Because, And here's why. She is a very complex person that God created just as he created every man in this place in a unique way. He created every woman in this place in a very unique way. And when we look at our wives and we live with our wives, we're to live with them in an understanding way. Now, here's what I know about understanding something. Basically, what he's telling us here is husbands become an expert on your wife. Now, to become an expert on something, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but to become an expert on something, then that means we have to study what we're trying to become an expert on, right? We don't just automatically become an expert on stuff. I know some of us guys think we do, but that's not right. We have to study it to become an expert. So if we're going to live in an understanding way, then we need to be an expert on our wife. And in order to be an expert on our wife, we have to study our wives and know our wives. Now you would think, Lori and I have been married for 33 years, okay? You would think in 33 years, I would have that down, right? I wish. I wish. And I'm working on it, especially after going through this this week. I'm working on it, and i got to tell you, I fall short so many times. But we are to study our wives. We are to study them and know them. We are to be experts on our wives. So let me ask you a few questions, men. Do you know more about your wife than you do your business? Do you know more about your wife than you do your car? Do you know more about your wife than you do sports? Do you know more about your wife than even the weather? We sit around all the time. We talk about all these different things because we know. We study up on them. We watch them. We know what they are. But how much do we really know our wife? For this to work, we have to study our wife. We have to know our wife. That means that, that we know what she likes, what she doesn't like. We know the things that make her happy, the things that make her sad. We know the things that encourage her along the way and the things that discourage her along the way. We look at our wife, we study her life, and we live with an understanding of our wife so that we can protect her, so that we can love her, so that we can honor her. And then husbands are to honor their wives. To honor means to show respect for your wife. To honor means that you admire her more than anything else. To honor means that you pay attention to your wife. To honor means that you love your wife more than you love anyone or anything else in this world. To honor your wife means that you show that she is the most important person to you here on this earth. That's what it means to honor. Now, think about what our world says today. Think about how our world acts today, especially when it comes to marriage. I, I, our world's got a totally messed up view on marriage. And why is that? Could it be because those that have a Christian view of marriage are not living out that Christian view of marriage? That we're living our lives just like the rest of the world is living our lives? We're not looking any different in our marriages than the rest of the world looks and acts in their marriages. Men, we are to honor our wives. We put her needs above our needs. We hold her in high esteem. We value her. That means that my wife is the most valuable person in my life other than my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us a little bit more detail uh, of what this looks like. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 5 where he says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He really takes it to a different level there, doesn't he? He says, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He loved the church so much that he laid down his life for her. Now, husbands, That is a much greater submission that we are called to give to our wives than they are called to give to us. We are called to love our wives, even unto death. Now, i got to tell you, there's a trap out there. A trap from the enemy that if we fall into that trap, then we are headed for disaster. And the trap is this. If a wife says, I will submit to my husband when my husband starts honoring me like he should, and the husband says that I will start honoring my wife when she starts submitting to me as she should, you're in a death spiral that will end not in a good way. And that's not what Scripture calls us to do. Notice that he didn't say here, wives, submit to your husbands as long as your husband is honoring you the way that he is called to honor you. And it doesn't say, husbands, honor your wives as long as they are submitting to you the way that Scripture calls them to submit to you. It says, husbands, honor your wife. And that tells me that we are to honor our wife no matter what. And wives, submit to your husbands under their authority no matter what. And when that happens, then we are able to grow together. Because I can promise you this, if you're doing what God's Word tells you to do, it's going to bring conviction to their life. And hopefully they're going to fall in line and do what God tells them to do and it's going to be a beautiful relationship that the rest of the world looks at and says, you're not from around here, are you? There's something different going on here. What is it? What is it? And how can I have a relationship like that? So what does this look like put all together? I think it is very simple that... We are to be our spouse's biggest cheerleader. We are to be our spouse's biggest encourager. And we are to walk through life together, side by side, looking different than any way the world tells us we should look, acting different than any way they may tell us we should act. We follow God's lead in our life. And as we do, as we keep our focus on Him, then the world will see Him through us. A right relationship with your spouse begins with a right relationship with God. A right relationship with anyone that He's talking about that we are to live under authority with begins with a right relationship with God. And I'm going to go back to the very first thing that I said, talking about the umbrella. There should never be any authority in our life that causes us not to be able to view God for who He is in our lives. And anytime that authority is purposely blocking that, we have a decision that we need to make. We need to keep our focus on God and His Lordship in our life. So you need to understand that there is no other Lord, no other God, but God himself. And he remains God in our life. But with him as the Lord of our life, we are able to live under the authorities that he has placed over us, the structure that he has put into place. And through that, we will look different than the rest of the world. And hopefully through that, somehow the world may see Christ through us as we live as aliens as strangers in a foreign land. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the challenge that comes through your word. God, I thank you for instruction that we have. And God, I pray that today each one of us would just take some time and examine our own lives today. And God, I pray that today that this wouldn't bring guilt because of mistakes that we've made in the past. That God, it wouldn't just cause us to think, man, I've blown it so many times because I know that I have. But God, it would help us to look forward to the days ahead, knowing that today with you is a brand new day. Today can be a brand new start. And God, I pray that in our lives, each one of our hearts, that we would seek you first above everything else. But God, you would teach us, you would show us how to live under the authorities that we have over us. But God, help us not get distracted by who you are and how we're to live our life for you first. God, I pray for anyone here today that may be seeking, they may not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today, God, they would see you clearly. That your spirit would just draw them unto yourself and that today would be the day of salvation for them. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.